You're listening to a Church Doctor production. Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Hi, I'm Kent Hunter, founder of Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to this podcast series. Our subject, real churches, real challenges, and real solutions. In this series, we'll explore challenging issues that are front and center in four of today's American congregations. These issues include, number one, how to replace a retiring pastor. Number two, how to reach unchurched people in this secular society. Number three, how do you get a church off the plateau and move toward growth. And number four, how do you deal with the cumbersome decision-making process that chokes progress in most churches? We'll be talking with ministry leaders from Whitefish, Montana, Cincinnati, Ohio, Sterling Heights, Michigan, and Hudson, Wisconsin. This is Kent Hunter, founder of Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to this episode of Real Churches, Real Challenges, and Real Solutions. Uh, my guest for this episode is Mark Jones. Uh, Mark, the last time we spoke, uh, my colleague Tracy and I were uh, uh, teaching at your conference gathering for pastors, and it was the leader of your conference, Terry Holly, that uh, connected us. He said, uh, "He said, you know, you really need to uh, get some time with uh, Mark and, and talk to him a little bit. Uh, you just got to hear what uh, is going on with Mark and his church there in Cincinnati, and we did have a few minutes uh, during a break, but it wasn't near long enough, but I was so excited to hear uh, your story that I, I'm really glad that we can share this with uh, hundreds of pastors across uh, the U.S. and beyond, and uh, so I'd like to just uh, start by sharing, if you could just uh, give us a little snapshot of uh, what's happening at uh, uh, Living Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Well, I appreciate it, Ken. It's uh, a joy for, for me um, to represent our church and what God's doing uh, through Living Church here in Cincinnati. Um, as far as just a quick snapshot, I mean, um, it's been quite the journey. We're in year nine of, of planting the church, and, um, you know, it, it, we started, we are a family of house churches or a network of house churches. And uh, we started with one, and, and the Lord, it is, and by His grace, just allows us to multiply. And currently we have five house churches, and through that we've seen uh, people come to know Christ and be baptized, and now they've become disciples of Jesus. They're now making disciples of Jesus. We have seen our own, personally, we've seen neighbors who uh, live just down the street from us come to know Jesus and be baptized, and now their kids have grown and, and, and have come to know Jesus and, and have been baptized, and now they're leading studies. And so that's just a quick little snapshot of what God has done and is doing and sending people now overseas on mission trips. And uh, we're actually in the process now of training a couple leaders to go out and plant uh, a couple more house churches in their, in their neighborhood. So... That's just, um, there's a lot more we can talk about or I could give you, but as far as a quick snapshot, that's kind of what we're in currently and what God's doing right now. So it's an exciting time. Well, that's really interesting, Mark. I think I'm probably not the only one listening who uh, wonders about this issue of house churches 
do you think it's easier for unchurched people in America today to uh, be invited to a house uh, rather than to a, uh, a what might be a, a little bit of a challenging uh, big church building and 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 that sort of thing? Uh, do you think that that it's an easier entry point for people? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know if I'd say easier. Um, because I still think at times it can uh, be uh, an obstacle, especially without a, if there's not a previous relationship with that person. I think, though, for, let's say, our neighbors, um, the, just to give you an example and story, for our neighbors that we've gotten in town and spent time with, you know, there's already a relationship there. So I think it's easier for them to just naturally walk across the street, come into our home to a situation like that than it might be to step into a church service or a church building filled with people they don't know and, and a lot of unknowns. So if it's local, if it's in the neighborhood, it's more known. So I think that removes an obstacle for some people. So in our experience, what we've found really has been just a little bit of easier entry point to invite people into our home because you're known. They already have the relationship with you. Mm -hmm. um, and they probably know where you live. They may have been in your home prior to coming to the house church meeting or something like that. So I would say, at least from our experience, it, it seems to be a, uh, a more natural, maybe that's a better word I would use, more natural entry point for people to engage with uh, the people of God. It's interesting that you used the word several times, the word relationship and relational. You know, we run into a lot of people today who really do have a desire to reach people far from God in their social networks, but they, they, it seems like a lot of Christians in America have this worldview that the platform for reaching unchurched people is the organized church or the church building. In other words, if you want to reach lost people, invite them to church, which in many cases that means an organized church with a building and, and all of that. Uh, and, and it just seems that when you see a movement of Christianity growing, the platform isn't a building so much as a relationship. Would you just uh, expound on that a little bit? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I really have come to to understand or beginning to understand, I guess, or continuing to understand that the, the need and that first entry point being relationship um, as opposed to inviting someone to an event at the church building. Just from our own personal experience, just living as missionaries, if you will, in our own neighborhood, and, and I think that's so critical. In fact, I've really... You know, I was listening to someone uh, give a talk not too long ago, a few months ago, and I wrote a little note as he was talking about church. And, and, and in that, on that note, what I said was I really think the first invite we have to transition from being an invitation to church to being an invitation into our life, into their life. And that could be an invitation to our home for dinner, for dessert, for coffee, or to a party we're throwing in our home, or just even an invitation uh, being willing, if they invite you to something, to go be a part of what they're doing. So I highly agree with that. I really think it, it, relationship is so key and so critical to um, that person that you're seeking to reach with the gospel and, and winning an opportunity or, or earning an opportunity to be heard through relationship. And it's all going to come. The opportunity to share the gospel primarily is going to come, especially in our current American culture, post-Christian culture, 
I really believe more than ever in the past 20 years in church life is going to be found and formed through relationships. Well, Mark, that is so affirming. I, I can't wait till the rest of our church doctor uh, team hears about uh, this and, and will hear your words about that because um, we, we've been working for a long time and have developed what we call the SEND movement, which is basically uh, helping Christians to, to understand that uh, maybe the first uh, invitation needs to be on a relational basis and literally a dinner at your home. Um, but that leads to another challenge, and that is many Christians have the idea that reaching out to unchurched people is the pastor and staff's job, and actually will go on to say, I'm sure maybe you've heard it before, they'll say things like, well, I don't really feel I'm equipped to, to reach out to an unchurched person I have a relationship with at work or neighbor or whatever, and and I really need to have the pastor do that, but the pastor and the pastors of churches that don't have that relationship with people that you do as a member of the church. That's what we tell people. So how does this work at Living Church? Do people how do people get that 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 are part of Living Church, and how do you imprint that DNA among the people? Yeah, I think that's a great question, and I think it's a common obstacle in church, and, and you know, I've grown up in church all my life. My, my dad's a pastor, I've been a pastor, I am a pastor, so I, I understand and feel the, that tension and that weight of trying to um, help the people that aren't paid staff, if you will, capture the passion and really capture their identity, not just as being a disciple of Jesus, but a missionary. And I really think that's where it starts. I think all this has to start back to our theology of God and our theology of mission and how we see God as a missionary God, a God who uh, sends his son on a mission trip, if you will, for the purpose of bringing redemption to mankind. And so I think it starts there with our understanding of who our God is, that he is a missionary God, and then he redeems uh, a people for himself in sent those people and have sent those people on mission to join him in his mission. And so really we are a missionary people. And I think so when it comes to helping the person who's just coming on a Sunday understand this, that I think we have to help them understand, one, that God is a missionary God. God has redeemed them from sin, given them purpose, invited them into his mission, given them his presence and his power through the Holy Spirit to live out this mission. So it's very paramount to who they are as a disciple of Jesus that missionary living. And so helping them understand who God is, um, helping them understand that, that, that one, God is a missionary God, that two, they are a missionary, that's their identity, that Jesus, I believe, never separated the two, never separated being a disciple of Jesus and being missionary. If you are a disciple, then you are a missionary. This is part of who you are, your identity as a follower of Jesus. And so helping, so teaching that, equipping people in that, um, I think is one, helping them understand who they are, that they are a missionary. It's so critical. And so I think you have to teach that. I think you then you, I think you have to model that as a pastor. I think um, that's an obstacle. It was for me early on. Just, you know, I knew how to do church life. I knew how to run programs and events. But I really didn't know. I had to learn how to be a missionary in my own neighborhood here in the state and just understand what that looked like. How do I do that? Um, 
And so I think that's one thing that can help is really us coming alongside pastors and helping pastors understand that they're missionaries and they're really missionary trainers to train the people that come to their churches on Sunday how to live this mission out. So there's lots of different things. I think it starts obviously with our understanding of who God is and missionary God, our understanding of us as a missionary people, and then as pastors understanding that we're actually missionary trainers. Um, with a mission to train disciples to make more disciples, which that's, that's mission. And so we need to help equip pastors to do that. Um, and then help people understand that this is exciting. Living the missionary life is hard, it's messy, but it's exciting. You're living out the calling, you're getting experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, that this is not just something you don't, you don't become a missionary when you go, you go because you are a missionary. And that's not just talking about career missionaries who go overseas. That's talking about the person sitting in the pew or in the chair on the Sunday morning when they go across the street to just talk to a neighbor. And I think helping people capture that um, will, I, I would hope, um, help be a catalyst to, to, to equipping our people to actually go out and live the missionary life that, that Jesus called them to live. It's just so exciting to hear this from a pastor in the missionary field we call the United States. And uh, I just uh, I can't encourage you enough for this. Now, where did you get this missionary culture? Like, did you get this at a Bible college or a seminary or read a book somewhere? Or how did you get this? Um, no, I mean, it really came ultimately from, uh, I think, initially, uh, well, we were missionaries for, on, the, on the field um, in Western Europe for over two years. So a lot of this came from that experience of just being a career or a, or a missionary um, on the field for two for two years, uh, with the intent of going for the rest of our lives. But God had different plans and brought us to the state. So I think a lot of this came from um, from experience and just living it. But really, it, it just came from going back to Scripture and looking at and from when God was doing this stirring in me about planting a different kind of church for the church to be the church. Uh, it really sent me back to Scripture and looking at the book of Acts and different portions of Scripture and saying, wow, this identity of being a missionary, this is, this is who I am. This is not something that, this is, this is something that Christ has given me and called me to be um, the moment he saved me. And so I think it really came from that, from understanding Scripture, my identity, and who Jesus, that Jesus has sent me, that I'm a sent one, and then experiencing that out on the actual mission field. And I think spending time with other missionaries there and then living that out in real life, in the context of real life on the mission field, is I think what God has used primarily in a lot of ways and, and other friends and, and experiences that God has, people that he's brought in my life with the missionaries, my own wife and, and her experience growing up on the mission field, all those things that I believe God has used to help grow me into this understanding of living the missionary life, whether that's in Western Europe or that's in Cincinnati, Ohio. Well, Mark, well, you're still a missionary in, in a, a mission field west of uh, Europe, all right? <laughs> this is a long way <laughs> But, but uh, it, it's just so refreshing. I'd like to run a theory by you. I, I just thought a lot about this and the mission training that so many pastors don't have and so many churches don't reflect. Um, the theory is something like this, and, and I don't know if this is right or not, but I'd like your input. Um, the idea that somewhere along the line in history, maybe America decided that America was a Christian nation, 
and that maybe uh, the training institutions, the Bible colleges, seminaries of, of pastors, I, I know that when, when I went to a seminary, if you wanted to be a missionary, you'd go to some extra training after your, your seminary training, after you were uh, uh, finished with that, you would go and get some extra mission training. And so if pastors don't get training to be a missionary, then how can they train their people to be missionaries? Therefore, we have this, it's almost like the enemy's perfect plan to mess up the Christian movement in America because we really have never been a Christian nation. Um, is that a crazy theory, or what do you think about that? No, I, I don't think it's a crazy theory at all. I think it's, I, I think it's something that, that we need to explore more. I, and again, I just keep, I don't want to keep beating the same drum, but I think it's, it's, it's so important that we understand that I, I think there's a part of, when it comes to training pastors, a, a key part of this as far as, you know, we, we train and we equip for, the church service, right, for Sunday, or for the things that happen within the building and in the business side of church life and, and, and all that. And all those things are needed and necessary, but I think a key part that is often missed is just, you know, this, this misunderstanding that missions is something that, that it's just added, it's a program, as opposed to actually it's the thread to everything that we do as church. And so I think we've missed that. That's not, you know, from my opinion and from what my observation, that I really think that that's a missing thread in the training and in the teaching that happens for pastors. And I think we could get back to that and then helping pastors understand that, okay, mission is a thread. I think we know it in our minds. Oh, and yet, what's that look like? How do we, how do we, how do we equip a people to actually do the work of the ministry, which is to live this mission out of making disciples and make more disciples of Jesus. Um, and I, so I don't think it's a crazy theory. I think it's something that we need to explore more, and we need to think through ways, practical ways, of how do we equip pastors to be the missionary that God has called them to be. You know, he's called them first to be a disciple and, for, you know, first to be a missionary, and then they express that out through this role and calling of pastor. And I think, how do we get back to training pastors and helping pastors understand that and then equipping them to equip their people to live that? I think that's, that's key. So I don't think it's crazy theory. I think it's just something we have to explore more and work hard at learning and using tools and resources to, to equip pastors that want to be a missionary right where they live and then equip the people in their church to be the missionaries that God has called them to be. We uh, are running into a lot of uh, pastors and uh, some church leaders, too, that uh, are awakening to the concept that uh, we are on a mission field, maybe always have been, should, should always have been. Uh, and and uh, you read things like a recent Gallup poll from a few months ago when they asked people what religion across the United States, and, and 50% of the people said none, none at all. And uh, maybe that's part of the wake-up call. Do you think that, do you, do you feel or see uh, uh, more people, more pastors, more people in churches, uh, in, in your circles, uh, maybe stretching to think about, well, you know, maybe we need to learn more. Maybe we need to, to grow more in this mission thinking. Yeah, I really do. I, I think 
we're seeing a shift. I think you've seen that shift for some time. Just even the word missional, you know, has become more used more often within the church um, circles and, and, and within conferences and trainings that's taking place. But I think you're seeing some of that, understanding that, wow, our culture has shifted. And in a lot of ways, I think it's shifted a lot toward Western Europe. And we were there, as I said, uh, several years ago. And, and I think that post-Christian culture, um, you know, where they're, they're just, they don't trust church anymore, organized church. And we live in a culture like that. They don't trust those kinds of things. And so all the more it just heightens the need for relationship, that I really think the gospel is going to come first through, primarily through relationship over events. And I think those kinds of things we need to keep thinking through. So I, I do think and do see, and even in the circle, this this push or this need maybe for helping people, helping our churches understand this missionary kind of living. Um, so I do see that, but I do think it's it's, it's there, but I'm not sure we we've come to the point here where we understand quite how to incorporate that into an existing church culture, if that makes sense, and how to equip church leaders and then the people in the church to live this out. So I think it's there, yes, but I still think we have a lot of work to do in equipping our people and church leaders and pastors and so forth in how to live this out. Yeah, Mark, that makes a lot of sense. Now, do you think this mission culture is more caught or more taught, or how would you describe that? How would you approach? Uh, we, we've got a lot of listeners by the hundreds, pastors, but also a lot of lay people in churches, members of churches that are going to say, "Well, how does this? How does this happen? How does a person become mission-minded or missional, as you say?" Yeah, I think I think it's both ends. I think it's caught and taught, and I think we see that. I think Jesus is a great illustration of that and how he lived and taught his disciples to live the missionary life. There was teaching, right? But then there was this ongoing discipling of just in life, everyday life. And he sent them out. He released them to go. And, um, you know, so they went out and, and shared the gospel. And so that was, it was both caught and taught. So I think it's both in. I don't think it's one or the other. But I think where we tend to focus a lot on is on the taught piece. Um, we teach, we can teach a lot about mission. We can teach a lot about living this missionary life. But I really believe we have to provide opportunities for our people to catch it. And they're only going to catch it by getting out of the building and living it. And so I, I think there's ways we can do that. I think it's, you have to expect it. I think as a church leadership, we have to expect it. I think people will only do, too, what you hold them accountable to. So I think we have to expect our people to, once we've taught them their identity as a missionary, that God is on a mission and he's called us to join him in his mission, once we've taught that, now we have to show them how to live that out, what it looks like. And so we've got to just help provide ways for them to just have, encourage them to do things in their own neighborhood, home, and, and, and catch that. And I really believe that as people begin to just take those steps and answer the question, okay, what would a missionary do? Well, then do that. <laughs> what do you think a missionary does when I'm a missionary? Well, do that. And if you don't know, then I, I think one of the things that we can do is really do internships, mission internships. I was thinking about this the other day, and I thought, man, you know, really what I think as far as when it comes to training leaders and training people, just go spend a month. I know that might be difficult as far as just 
you know, financially or whatever, but or go spend a week or two weeks just with a mystery. Don't do a mission project. Don't take just one or just take you, your family, you and your spouse, or you go by yourself and just spend a week with a missionary or two weeks with a missionary in Western Europe and just shadow them. Watch them. See the focus on relationships. See the conversations they have. And just watch how they do ministry. Catch that. And then come back and live that here. Um, so I think we've got to, we, we can't just leave training to the classroom. We have to take it out into real life. We have to expect it. We have to hold people accountable to it. And then we have to celebrate. I think that's a big thing. I think we have to celebrate people in our churches that are doing this, that are having people in their home and having coffee, having conversations with neighbors and with the intent of sharing the gospel and then celebrate those stories. I think our scorecard has to change and we have to start celebrating not just the decision to follow Christ, but the process of someone coming to a decision to follow Christ. Because I think for the people in our churches, all, if all we're doing is celebrating the decision and they never get a decision from anyone, then they're thinking, well, I can't do this. Well, yeah, they can because they have the same Holy Spirit as I do, as the pastor does. We just need to help change the scorecard and help them see that really, no, that conversation with that neighbor, that conversation with that person at school, that school mom or that soccer dad, or whatever, that's all part of living the missionary life. That's what a missionary does. But it's all intentional behind the opportunity to be able to share the gospel with them. You know, I just really appreciate that. It's encouraging to me. It will be encouraged to the rest of our team here because for the last 20 years, we've taken groups of no more than 20 to England and visited some of the churches that are the polar opposite of most of the churches that are dead and declining. And, and we go to those churches that are missional, mission-minded, uh, mission-active, and, and we, we visit those churches. But I, I always tell people, you know, I'd be glad to just tell you all about this stuff, but it's more, it's almost more caught than taught. And yes, it's, it's only 10 days, but, and, and not everybody, not everybody catches the, the holy infection, but a lot of them do, and it's just enough to whet their appetite, and I think then other people in a church could catch it from them. And so I, I really appreciate that concept where you really need to get out of your comfort zone and, and be exposed to it. I, I hear you saying. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's no way you're going to learn it unless you start living it. <laughs> you know, you just have to take the risk, and you have to just believe that you have the Spirit of God, the presence of God, and even, you know, Jesus said, I'll, I, I will be with you always. That's in the context of mission. You know, and I think we have to believe that and go and step into those places of risk and uncomfortableness, if you will, and, and just trust that the Spirit of God has placed you in the neighborhood where you live because there are people in your neighborhood who need Jesus, and that's why you're there. That's why you're there. Or place you at your place of work because there's people in the cubicle who sit next to you that need Jesus. That's why you go to work. Your work is your mission field. Your neighborhood is your mission field. Your school, your campus, that's your mission field. And I think, man, when people, we can grab a hold of this, and then, then we don't just keep going to work as I go to work to get paid. I go to work. I go to work to proclaim Christ, and one of you, the Spirit's going to bring across my path today, and, and it just changes the perspective on everything, because that's real. It's true. It's, it's why you are where you are. It's why God's placed you in the, in the, in the city and where you, where you live. So I'm, I just get all excited thinking about it and the potential uh, of, of, of the gospel going forth and just the nooks and crannies of, of, of our everyday lives 
And, and I, I just, it, it excites me to think if we could just capture that passion and people can capture that and who they are in Christ and what that looks like lived out on mission. Man, I just think it's an exciting time right now for the church. We can get grab a hold of this. It, it really is. It makes me wonder, do you, you're, you're, you know, you said you're excited about it. Well, that's an understatement, but, uh, and I'm so glad. I'm wondering, does any uh, training institution for pastors of any kind approach someone like you and say, could you take on a couple of folks that are becoming pastors or have been pastors or whatever that could hang out with you at your church for a week? I don't want to get you deluged with a whole bunch of visitors and take you off focus, but you just said that it's, it's caught like that, and and I just wonder, does that happen with your church yet? It hasn't happened yet. Uh, there's, we've had conversations with different maybe associations or organizations at times about maybe doing kind of like an internship kind of thing, um, but nothing has materialized from that yet. Um, but, yeah, we would definitely be open to that. I think um, it's interesting because, you know, as I said, we're a network of health churches, and each health church is as pastors leading them and, and shepherding them. And some of these guys were uh, pastors of, of what might, we might call more traditional kind of churches. And, you know, they came from that and said, yeah, I just want to be missionary in our neighborhood. And, and so we've seen that happen. And I think – so I'd be all for that, I and mean, I, I would not be opposed to that if it's the right fit for both. And, and so, but to answer the question, no, no one's really come. There's been discussion from a different couple places, but um, nothing has materialized yet. But we would not be opposed to that. Well, I surely wouldn't want a uh, hundred people to show up and take you off focus for what you're doing right. But right. somehow, this is a movement, not a program. And it's got to be caught as much as taught and experienced as well as academic. And uh, that, to me, is the greatest hope for our faith in America. Would you say? Yeah, I would. I, I agree. I just think, it, again, it, it's, we have to get out and, and experience it. And, and it's exciting. It, it's the phrase I often call It's just a beautiful mess. When you live this way, it's hard. It's messy because you are... You know, a lot of people are in your own mess, right? And, I mean, you're, you're mess, your life is messy and crazy, but now you're – they're maybe giving you a window or they're, they're giving you permission to step into their life, which is messy. But, man, it's beautiful. And that mess, when you get to share Jesus and see the Spirit of God begin to change your heart, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. We have to be willing to step into that beautiful mess, believing – that the Spirit of God can change your neighbor's heart and that he's placed you there for a purpose. And I, I, you just can't learn that in 60 minutes on a Sunday. I mean, you, you have to experience that and see it and live it and, and watch the Spirit of God do the work through you. And, 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 and it's exciting. It's hard. It's difficult. It's challenging. But it's very exciting, and when you see people surrender their lives to Jesus that you live next door to, I'll tell you, it's, it's, there's nothing greater. There's nothing more exciting. It's, it's all worth it. Mark, I just uh, thank you so much for your enthusiasm and your input. Uh, it's such a blessing. I know our listeners are going to catch that enthusiasm. I think about the word uh, enthusiasm, which is literally from the Greek words, in God. And uh, there is a connection between enthusiasm and being in connection with God, and you certainly are doing a great job 
I want to thank and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and sharing this with other people. I hope other people will check you out at Living Church and and uh, just uh, catch this movement that God, I believe, God is starting in America. I'm just so thankful for what you do. Uh, can I pray for you and your church? Please do. Please do. Thank yeah. you. Lord, I just thank you for this church, which is really churches, and uh, this whole idea of house churches, just like the New Testament. How refreshing. I thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing there, and uh, thank you for Mark's leadership and uh, the people there that involved. Bless all of those people there that are part of that movement that is working there in Cincinnati. I ask you to continue to watch over them, protect them, and, and continue to make them contagious. Uh, and I pray, Lord, that this will be a contagion, a spiritual contagion that will move throughout our nation. And I thank you for this time together. Very inspiring, and I thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.